0: Wednesday, April 27th, 2011. It's our second episode of Mana Sculpting Podcast. Uh, Trevor Isham here, and I'm with Wally Bullard again. How's it going? So, last week we started covering the new Forexia Spoilers, and we kind of uh, hit on the highlights, a couple standard playable cards, and this week uh, we're going to cover uh, the limited cards that uh, we think are the best in each color. And then we're also going to get into kind of the more familiar format of the show, which is going to be some deck analysis. So, uh, this week we brought you the uh, two basically blue white decks um, that are in standard right now, and that is, uh, of course, Cobblade and then Venser Control. We're going to break those down for you at the end of the show, get to a few questions, and then sign off. Uh, so, without further ado, why don't we have Wally kick us off uh, with our limited review? of uh... new phyrexia with the white cards
1: all right we're going to kick it off with my top five uh... white cards for limited
0: now these are all cards not just commons or uncommons but we're also going to give you those
1: yeah uh... i want to start with the white crater elish north um, that's my number one my number two is pure steel Paladin. three i have blade splicer uh, then I have Dispatch
0: at 4, and Apostle's Blessing at 5. Yeah, so i uh, pretty much in complete agreement there. Uh, Elish Norn, Fjord Stero Paladin, and Blade Splicer are all cards that you can build around. Um, they're obvious first picks. And as far as Elish Norn goes, like, I don't think 7 mana is ungettable in this format. Like I feel like it's going to be slow, just like the last one was. Yes. And uh, Pure Self-Houding could just be a beating um, if you get enough equipment in your deck, which is pretty easy to draft considering the number of flare Husks that exist <laughs> in your second pack.
1: Exactly.
0: So, pretty much complete agreement. My honorable mention uh, was the card that's getting a lot of fanfare, which was Porcelain Legionnaire, um, which a 2-drop, 3-1 First Striker, uh, obviously paying 2 life for that as well, uh, seems pretty good and definitely worth a mention.
1: Yeah, that is actually, that's my, i um, mention guy too, he's just a, uh, he's a good beater that's going to take some spot able to get rid of.
0: Yeah, um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean on that, the, uh, the other card that I think is really worth mentioning, especially for a sealed event coming up is Apostle's Blessing, and I think people should remember that you can play that in any color, um, and protecting your bombs, uh, basically for two life and a colorless mana. Uh, seems really good, and it should see play in many sealed decks this weekend.
1: No, no doubt, no doubt. Come May 7th, uh, if I open that and a couple more good white cards, that's going in this year.
0: Yeah. So then we move on to the top common and uncommon cards in white. Um, so these take out the rares and mythics, obviously and um my list starts out with the master splicer which clearly goes along with the blade slicer a good value card there um then shattered angel apostles blessing marrow shards the porcelain legionnaire and last an interesting little card cathedral membrane um mine
1: is exactly the same as that uh which works out pretty well Uh, I, I mean, I, I think maybe talking about the I will mention card, the Cathedral Membrane first um, I think this card has the potential to just be ridiculous as far as blocking a bomb goes, because a lot of the bombs don't have a ton of evasion
0: Yeah, that's true, I mean, this can step in front of a worm coil engine um, clearly not very well, but at least it gets the job done um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it just, I treat it as a removal spell. I mean, it's like if you want to attack me, you either have to use your removal on this guy, or you have to, you know, bash through him by losing a creature. So, that's kind of how I think about it.
1: Yeah, and his potential to come down on turn one as a blocker is pretty phenomenal as well.
0: Yeah. So, uh, moving yeah. on to blue, I think. Probably. So, the, the I think the highlights in white to remember are, obviously, if you open one of the, the you know, El Norn or Pure Steel Paladin, you're going to, you know, Windmill Slam and build around it. They're that good. Um, but I, I, I would stay on the lookout for Apostle's Blessing. I think that's going to be the card that you always can put in a deck and you're always going to be happy you have it. So, any other thoughts on white?
1: Uh, I think Marrow Shards is a
0: there's a lot of warm, toughness creatures in the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it gets no rid of the porcelain <laughs>
1: legionnaire. <laughs> in every color.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a good card. And the last thought, I guess, is in limited, it seems like in draft at least, um, kind of the mono white beatdown deck is very impossible to be drafted and could be very powerful. So, you know, if you want to test a strategy. Um, you can definitely go that way, and, and you could end up with you know, a pretty strong deck. So, moving on to blue, uh, the top five cards overall I have uh, number one the Phyrexian Metamorph, uh, which is the clone, basically. And then I have the Viral Drake, which I just think is freaking bonkers good. <laughs> uh, Blighted Agent, which is the unblockable infector. Uh, Gataxian Probe, which is the peak plus card. Tezzeret's Gambit, which we'll talk about a lot in the next couple of podcasts going forward. And then lastly the big bomb, Phyrexian and Jester. Okay.
1: Uh, mine starts with Rexian Metamorph as well. This next one there is mostly because I just really want to play it. Jyn Gataxis, Core Augur.
0: Which costs 10. So the chance of actually casting in the game...
1: Yeah. <laughs> I have plans. I have plans. Get
0: your sword of peace and famine. <laughs>
1: exactly. Blighted Agent, Ataxian Probe, Tezzeret's Gambit, and my honorable mention is Spire Monitor.
0: Yes, yes, the uh, Flash 3-3, which any creature that says Flash is always something pretty interesting, right?
1: Exactly. It's to be able to cast a creature in the middle of your opponent's so you know after they declare attackers can... It normally goes in
0: your favor. And yeah, speaking of that, we also got another creature with Flash that uh, I think actually is better than the Monitor it is the Deceiver Exarch. And I know already people have said Splinter Twin, Deceiver, like sick combo, standard, even limited Deceiver, this yard seems really good. I mean, basically you're going to be able to cast him, untap one of your own guys and, you know, double block or, you know, just get, you know, you can just get them pretty good with that card.
1: Well, the, the combo I really like is obviously this guy with Splinter Twin, tap it, tap this guy, put a clone of him in, untap Splinter Twin.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Infinite dudes. Exactly. And overrun. So, uh, that is, for those of you looking for something super budget uh, that could take down the
0: first or two F&Ms or whenever you get to play standard. Yeah, it totally could. So, the card I really like and just adds to kind of the bombiness of this whole limited format is Phyrexian and Jester too. I mean, in all likelihood at the time you are going to cast this, it's going to be like a 7-7, an 8-8, a 9-9. Um, it's just a big body and it's eating their best guy and for seven mana, like, that's pretty darn good.
1: <laughs> yeah, even if it gets, you know, removed easy, you know, which just a creature it does, you're still going to get some value oh, out of it. Oh, you
0: already, you know, you already got your value. I mean, theoretically, you two for one them because they spent a removal spell and their best creature you know, to kill your one creature. So, it's I think it's an instant value card. Obviously expensive, but totally worth it. So the other thing to note about blue is that you know we both had on our sheets we worked on are that a lot of the cards we like are Phyrexian mana. So the Metamorph, the Probe, the Gambit, um, you know they all they all have Phyrexian mana. So unfortunately, you're going to be fighting over these cards, you know, with everybody. <laughs> So yep. starting out blue is gonna be a little bit tougher to get some of these bombs. Um, but you know, they're out there. And it's also something to keep in mind if you kinda of didn't want to draft blue, you know, remember Tezzeret's Gambit, which seems like a really good card, um, can easily be splashed in your infect deck to get it a lot of, give it a lot of depth. <laughs>
1: Yeah, even drawing two cards, even if the proliferate doesn't matter for you at that point in the game, uh, drawing two cards is always good in a deck that doesn't have that ability.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, uh, uh, looking at our, um, you know, at our rankings here, the, our common uncommon list doesn't change too much. Uh, we basically we like the Impaler Strike uh, for its ability to basically deal three damage, and if you know, if you don't need the cards, just keep beating down with it um if you do you can change it in for three cards which which seems pretty good for four mana and three damage yeah, exactly so so yeah so you know blue is definitely good it retains a lot of its blueness it can draw you cards you can copy creatures you know it even has a destruction creature it, you know it's tricky and you know it definitely fits in still more of the control style um, and then also, this last set definitely opened up the idea of uh, blue-white flyers again. Um, definitely a deck that could be drafted between, you know, the Sky little Schools and, um, you know, the, the uh, sorry, the Viral Drake even, um, the Monitor, the Impaler Shrike, you know, uh, the Serum Rakers, like, you know, you can definitely go blue-white skies again.
1: Yeah, it's about time. Yeah, go back to
0: uh, M11 days, right? (laughs) So, moving on to black. uh, We both completely agree on our top black card, which is actually not the obliterator, as you'll probably see on many other peoples. But we actually both think Life's Finale is the top black card um, for the limited format. And basically, because I'm pretty confident, if this resolves, like there is no possible way you can lose that game, <laughs> unless their last bomb is. Well, actually, I have to check it. Can do you search their hand as well? Mm, I
1: don't
0: think so. Checking right now.
1: Scrolling
0: Scroll. Oh, only their library. So unless their last bomb is in their hand, basically, I don't see any way you lose that game. <laughs> And it's yeah, it's a reasonable six mana. So you know, it's not like most games you're you're going to get the six mana. That's not going to be the problem. So after that, we have the Obliterator, which just clearly a good card. Like I don't think we need to go too much into it. Um, If they don't have a removal spell, you 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 will win those games as well, I suppose. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think it'll be harder to cast um, as a you know quadruple whack than some of the other cards on the list. But yeah,
0: the nice thing though is you're opening a pack one, right? So you open this and you're like, okay, I'm now drafting mono black. <laughs> and luckily you're in, you know, the first set is very black heavy, and so, you know, the depth is there so you can easily assemble, you know, by the end of pack one, a pretty solid mono black deck.
1: Yeah, and then you just have to look at, I mean, really just, just black removal and artifacts kind of for the rest of the rest of the draft.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Completely agree. <laughs>
1: this
0: guy, pack one. Yeah, and then also, you know, the Phyrexian mana, you know, gives you a little bit of flexibility, you know, to kind of, you know, pick around other colors, theoretically, you know, bleed the colors without having to bleed your mana. Exactly. So, um, the next card, uh, you know, is pretty obvious as well, is Sjordred, Whispering one. I mean, Black just got <laughs> so many bombs. Um, and this card is right on the same level as the Obliterator. Like, if you cast it and they don't have a removal spell, you will very quickly win that game. So... Anything else to say about that one? I mean, big body, sweet abilities.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if if you have to attack with it, you know, hopefully... uh, Black is so good, you're gonna run into a lot of sloths, I think. Um, so you have, you know, it might just be unblockable.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just like, we both talked about that being like, that's just like, okay, that's cute, right? Like, that's a nice little bonus, don't really care. Like, I may never swing with this, and it'll still win me the game. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, after that, um, we like the Chancellor of the Dross, again, uh, they're just black bomb. Uh, huge creature. Again, if you cast it and they don't have removal, you win, like... I feel like I'm just saying that again and again, so we'll probably just move on. (laughs) Uh, To um, the Common and Uncommons in black, which the first one I want to talk about isn't the first on my list. I think Dismember is the number one card, but uh, the Reaper of Sheadrit has a big butt. It's in fact, and I just... Think it's going to be a highly sought-after card in draft, and you should definitely play it if you open it in limited.
1: Oh, exactly. I mean, even as a just sit there and let it get hacked on, it's pretty fantastic because you know if they don't if they attack you and they're not going to kill it, you're just shrinking their guys and giving them poison damage.
0: Yeah, well, that's what's great is that the you know it. It can fit into a control style poison deck, or it can fit into, you know, the aggressive poison deck. You know, either way, like, you're going to be putting poison counters on them.
1: Yeah. They block, they get a poison counter, they don't block, they get two. Yeah. That's kind of their
0: choice. Or they're not going to be able to attack. Like, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. So, the, the cards that are interesting to me in, in black, um, that, you know, I've actually had a few people ask me about are, um, some of these, the, uh, is Geth's Verdict. Um, you know, it seems like a pretty powerful card. You know, Gatekeeper Malakir ask, um, but at the same time, it's a little tough because you know, if you if you just went for a black strategy, and you know, there are a lot of tokens running around. There's a lot of you know maybe incidental creatures that came in with a bonus, but then don't really have them anymore. So, what are your thoughts on on kind of the incidental sacrifice? Uh, the fact that
1: it's an instant kind of lets you time it a little bit better, you know, like in response to them casting, like, a Flare Husk, because they're just going to sack their germ, right? Exactly. So, I mean, if it were a Sorcery, uh, it definitely wouldn't be on my list. Yeah. Uh, The fact that it's an instant and gives you a chance to respond to things by killing their creatures is a lot better. And, you know, they lose a life, and with all this Phyrexian mana running around, one life is... Scoff anymore. Yeah,
0: it's certainly relevant. And then the other nice thing is this gets around Indestructible, right? Um, you know, they have to sack it, so Indestructible doesn't really matter anymore, which is pretty relevant in this block. Yep. So, cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other cards I mentioned, and obviously let you go next, is the Enslave. Uh, uh, I love Control Magic, and, and this one just seems sweet. Um, a little expensive, but... And it definitely it has a little extra kicker about um, them losing some life, so you know, that's okay. Uh, yeah, and definitely. then the X Exarch is just, like, value city. Like, I love that card. Um, I think it's just going to get there a lot. I was the guy always drafting, drafting Gravediggers in M11, like, just to splash even, like, in my blue-white flyers. And this card is pretty much the same. Obviously not splashable anymore, but... Um, I think it's just a sleeper card that uh, you should definitely grab if you can,
1: yeah all of the all of the, exons, um, the the modular abilities that they have uh you know it makes magic playing magic a little bit more fun in that they have to you know there's decisions to be made it 's not just you know you know what 's going to happen when you play a card.
0: Yeah, people talk about, like, decision trees, right? Like, the decision tree after New Phyrexia for, like, all levels of magic just went up, like, massively. Like, these cards do so much. Like, you can choose whether you pay them with life or with mana. Like, there's just so much interaction now that the decision trees became much more complex and much more complicated and perhaps more skill-intensive in my mind.
1: Yeah, I think, uh take a while for everyone to, to get up to the top level of the new format like it always does so it's, it's time that if, if you had trouble cracking into the last uh, last limited format or the last two you know study up that's what everyone else is going to do and just you know have, have your thoughts ready to go when you sit down
0: yeah so um, Black any other cards that uh, I did not mention that you want to
1: go over um, just that black now has proliferate. Yes. Um, Grim affliction, which can read you know pay three mana, put minus two minus two counter on target creature, if you want it to, or you know shrink their guys, pump your stuff up. Uh, a pretty decent removal spell at instant speed for three mana.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then the last one that I thought was kind of neat was the Whispering Spectre, too. Um, Definitely kind of a mind sludge if you want it to be. Um, And it's, you know, Flying Infect guy which is always strong. Um, So. Uh, Yeah, and then the things to remember about Black and Limited, um, it's super deep and Besieged. Like, I would be surprised if you went to your sealed event and you're playing three Besieged, three Scars. Like, I would be surprised... Um you know if if, it, if there was less than fifty percent of people playing black in some capacity, um, it just seems pretty deep. There's a lot of removal and a lot of bombs and it, it's the bombs are so good in black that it'd be hard to not play them if you open them. Yeah
1: so, and most of the bombs are a little man intensive, a big you know more than one of their color, so just, just be ready.
0: Yeah, exactly. For uh,
1: for getting your mana sorted
0: correctly. Exactly. So uh, next is is red, obviously. And um, so we're going to kick it off. Clearly the best card in red. Um, For standard, we're going to start with limited, but it's also the best card for standard. Is Urobras the Hidden. Um, It's a bomb. It's a big body. Um, It has a sweet board impact. Um, It even kind of curves out well with red. I don't think there's much else to say about it, but... It's just really good, and then the next one, which is unfortunate because it's red, second best card, but it can be played in any color, is the Molten Steel Dragon. Um, any four-four flyer is pretty sick, and if there's a possibility of casting him, you know, for four mana and four life, like that could be very good as well. Um, the one thing to think about, though, is that this is basically, they took Necrogen Scudder, which was, you know, 3 mana, 3, 3 fire, 3 life, and just add 1 to all of that. Now, if you remember, there was a lot of hype over Necrogen Scudder right away, but then it kind of fell out of favor toward the end. But that may have been more, you know, the fact that people drafting black were drafting in fact than, you know, Necrogen Scudder not being powerful enough. Any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think... Uh, I, I agree with your point totally, um, and the issue is I don't know that this card's going to have that issue in that it's it's played in every deck that's not Infect because it's you know it's any color you need it to be while being red. Okay? Yeah. Which is always good.
0: Yeah, I mean if you can if you compare it to let's say like Lumingrid Gargoyle, right? Like they're basically the same card except. Like, with this one, you get fire breathing. Yeah. So, it's kind of like not a bad way to think about it. Like, converted mana cost of six. This one comes with fire breathing. Yeah. So.
1: I think Gremlin Mine was designed to kill this card.
0: <laughs> it's probably so true.
1: Watch out for that.
0: Um, another cool card, obviously, is Fallen Ferromancer. Uh, a bit expensive, uh, but it's removal on a stick, and that just can't be ignored. Like, you have to be aware it's in the set, and um, you have to, you know, think about playing it if, if you know, you open it, and so.
1: Yeah, your your one ones are not safe anymore.
0: Yeah. Now even the,
1: even your two 2s become one ones,
0: so. The uh, another card I think uh, the card I think is actually really sweet in red um, is again the X Arc the Tormentor X Arc. Um, it's a removal spell or a pump spell, whatever you need time. It's flexible. It's efficiently costed. You know, it's a body that can beat. Uh, it's just a really solid card, and, and and I really like it. So. Oh,
1: I agree. That's that might be my favorite card in that cycle, that X R
0: cycle. Yeah, um, and then uh, the card I'm actually excited about, even beyond the format, is Bolt Charge. Um, I know a lot of people were like, "Well, I'll just play Lightning Bolt," and I was like, "Well, there's a lot of times where we're adding a counter." You know, or proliferating, or something is super relevant, um, especially when you might be playing this in conjunction with the ferromancer. I mean, there are a couple red infect cards now. Um, it's definitely a card to check out, and just don't discount it because the other nice thing about it is that it's also very splashable. Um, it only costs one red, and so you can easily, you know, throw it into any deck.
1: What is your honorable mention for the reds, Jeff?
0: Uh, mine is Slagfiend, Fiend. Um, which I usually don't like XX creatures. I just feel they're really conditional and there's gonna be so many times where this'll be dead in my hand, <laughs> like a 0, zero. Um uh, but upon thinking about it like I realize there's you know there's kind of always some artifacts in the game. And then the other thing is, like, you know, drawing it late, it's just some pretty crazy value, you know, to get, like, a 4-4 four, four for one mana. Um, so would I draft it super high? No, like, definitely not over, you know, any decent removal spell. Um, but would I play it, you know, in limited, or would I play it if it was, you know, I, yeah, I think I'd definitely play it in my 40. Yeah, that's that was my pick as well. I know
1: that when we first were talking about it, we were both kind of, on the fence, or even, you know, not liking it very much, but the more I think about it, you know, when playing, playing online, you know, just, you know, remembering back to drafts that I've done, just how many times I've tried to kill my artifacts to get a little value out of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
1: so With just, just by bombs. putting your own stuff in the graveyard, you know, you know, put your well spring in the graveyard, draw a card, this guy gets stronger. I don't know. There's a lot of value
0: there. Yeah, for sure. And then the other red cards I think worth mentioning, um, just for their kind of unique abilities, a Priest of Ur-Brosk, um, is definitely pretty interesting. Um, he's he's a free card. You know, anytime you see a free card, it's you know something you should take notice of. Um, yeah, he's a little body and he doesn't really do much, but you know, free cards are free, and so definitely something to notice. And then the other one is, de- is Active Aggression. And I think the most important thing to think about in this card is the fact that it's at instant speed. Um, and, you know, theoretically colorless. So anyone can play it. Definitely makes combat math extremely tricky going forward. Um, yeah. And is like an easy card to get jumped on. And, you know, two for one. You know, they steal your guy, untap it, block the guy that you had attacking, and, you know... <laughs> now you're two guys down and they're one card and you know, maybe four life or two life or no life down, so. And, uh, you know, basically I love value cards and that one just seems like it's definitely a value card.
1: Yeah, it's pretty high up there
0: on the list of fun combat tricks. Yeah, so, uh, basically the thing about red that I think is that it's clearly still removal heavy, I mean, it's what it does, it deals damage. Um and it, it makes a very good splash color. Um, I've always drafted red for splashing. I've all, I've almost never drafted it like just straight up red. And I think that remains true for this set. That if you want to draft competitively that you splash red, you don't go in it as a main color. Um and so just remember that that there's it's you know, the Volt Charge is a splashable card. Um yeah, you know, even the Tormentor X Arc, I'm pretty sure only costs one red. Mm-hmm. Um, the Molten Steel Dragon is completely splashable, so it's just something to keep in mind as you open or, you know, you go through your limited pool, you know, next weekend.
1: Yeah. I like the idea of Priest into Volt Charge. Seems pretty good. Yeah,
0: seems really good. And, you know, the other thing to, you know, I know this is limited, but we'll touch on the standard real quickly. The Volt Charge is really interesting. Kind of a red control deck that you and I have talked about. You know, regarding like um, Karn or not Karn, uh, Koth, um, and then like Kessard's Gambit is a really interesting card in that too. Basically, the idea is to you know play play Koth and then you know proliferate him so that he can ultimate the next turn. Um, and, and Volt Charge certainly is another way to do that. So those of you thinking about playing red control, it's definitely a possibility. Yeah,
1: keep an eye out for that. Deck.
0: So moving on to green, we're both in complete agreement on what is the best card in green. And I think pretty much everybody is on this too and it's the most flexible removal spell we've had printed yet. It's instant speed and it is beast within. Uh, It costs 2 colorless and 1 forest, instant speed, destroy target permanent. It's controller puts a 3-3 green beast creature token onto the battlefield. Um, clearly, the, the you know the drawback is giving them a three-three beast, but the reality is in a format dominated by bombs, like that's really not a bad deal when you're trading Steel Hellkite for three-three beast, Hellkite Charger for three-three beast. Um, you know, I can keep going on. Any of the new predators for a three-three beast, uh, pretty much always in limited seems like it's just going to be a really nice card.
1: You there, especially since they reprinted on summon for one blue mana and favor snag. You know, turn their biggest threat into a beast and then ship it to their hand. <laughs> nothing, wrong, nothing wrong with that.
0: Exactly. So, you know, we get later on, I'm sure we'll talk about the merits of this in standard. Um, you know, it's, it's clearly flexible, clearly sideboard card. People have talked about a main deck. People are maybe more excited about it then they should be, I don't know, we'll talk about standard playability, you know, another time, but in limited, like, it just, it's pretty much an auto-include, so, Um, the next card, and let me check, I think we were both pretty excited about this one, yep, the the Swarm Lord, um, is just the finisher we've been waiting for, um, and, you know, for in fact, um, you drop this, and you know they—they they don't have a wrath, more or less. Uh, if they're poisoned in any way, um, you will—you uh, know—swarm them.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's been waiting for a good, a good swarm card for infect. It just seems like the the, the kind of ability that we've been—you know—that's we've been waiting for to make infect really. I mean, it's already really good in draft, but really good in the late
0: game in draft. So, Swarm, I'm a fan. Yeah, and then the um, the next card just plays perfectly with the Swarm Lord, which is the Triumph of the Hordes. And, uh, again, this is just, you know, to drop this super aggressive, in fact, strategy, I think, is still very viable. Um, you have the one-drops, um, and, in fact, now you have the Triumphs, you have the mutagenic Growth, you have you know, a myriad of Pump Spells. Um, you can definitely do it and if you know, that's your cup of tea, like I think it's still definitely available. Um, and then again this is like a this is like a control card as well though because there's been so many board stalls where giving your guys trample would, would more would end the game very quickly, especially when you're also giving them in fact. Oh yeah. And
1: it it almost feels like when you give them plus one, plus one and in fact, you're really just Increasing their power by two, you know, or, you know, increasing it by two and then doubling what they already had, uh, as far as dealing with their creatures go, or, like, hitting them in the face.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it almost reads, like, like, give your creatures plus one, plus one, double their power, (laughs) and give them trample. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's what I think it says. Um... The other card, again, the Exarch, we both liked it, both think it's solid, I totally think it's solid. Um, Clearly it costs a lot, but it's a removal spell, so it's going to, I mean, it's a two for one. So, you know, you're going to have to pay for it, especially when it's that uncommon. Um, We both liked uh, Vorinclex, Voice of Hunger, Um, definitely a big fatty, finishes games, Um, so I, I think I
1: like him from more of a control standpoint, too, like, obviously the 7-6 body is nothing to overlook, he's, he's massive, and he trampled, but making them think about how they're going to tap their mana a little bit more, or, you know, if they know that they're not going to be able to play their bomb next turn if they cast or Google this turn, it's just, I think it's, it's good.
0: Yeah, I think in limited, the Praetor cycle is is going to be hard not to put in your deck, with the exception of the blue one, in my opinion. I okay. agree. Um, that that if you get this in your limited pool, if you first pick this, like you can build a deck around this. You will get this far in the game. Uh, there are enough you know mana ramping abilities, um, even colorless ones now that all of these cards become very playable. And with the bombiness of the format, like they will out-bomb your opponents, um, fairly easily and, and you will win. <laughs> so play them if you get them.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, another card we we both liked and I kind of touched on it before is the Glistener Elf. Um, go ahead I mean, you, go ahead.
1: Uh, it's key card, in fact, has wanted in draft since. You know, scars. Yeah. You know, we've, I think everyone that has drafted an insect that can just wish that there was a one-one body for one. Yeah. And here it is. I mean, it's in green. It fits perfectly, flavor wise. And normally, you're gonna really get the beast face with this guy for two or three turns and really get in there and yeah. you make all those cards with the poison keyword. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean the uh, you know the the amount of poisoned cards that are out there now, like you know has effects if your opponent is poisoned, uh, is grown you know a ton, and this guy just allows that strategy to work that much better, Um, and kind of forces them even if they can block it, you know forces them to make trades they don't want to make, you know their you know, Mirror for your, you know, 1-1 one, one factor. You know, it just, it, in fact, I think it just puts you a turn farther than you've ever been before on an already very viable strategy. Exactly. Cool. Well, the other card, uh, obviously worth mentioning, we don't have to do too much into it, is, is Glissa's Scorn. Um, it's just another artifact removal spell. I mean, like, we didn't have enough already. There's one more. Comes with a little bonus. Play it if you have it. You know, we're an artifact block. <laughs> That much to be said there. So there's o- there's one gold card for the set, um, Jorakadeen, the Prevailer. Um, again, we love this card. This card's sick. Play it if you have it. You know, you can build around it. It's very powerful. Um, I-, I think the it's flavor in rare, which I like in rare. Yeah, which it's you know it's very gettable. Um, definitely gonna see it. You know, in some uh, you know in some EDH decks probably. Um, yeah, it's just a solid card. And uh, I think the flavor is great. People have been knocking the flavor a little bit, but I think the flavor is awesome. Like, he's holding the Sword of War and Peace. Um, The art is sweet. I mean, he's like, yeah, he's like, he's the mirror in resistance. Like, they, I think Wizards made a big point of, like, putting the mirror in resistance as part of New Phyrexia. Um, And and this is a card that really spoke to that. I agree. So, uh, for the limited, we have one. One more uh, or two more sections. Uh, the artifact section's next, and um, you know pretty clearly, uh, you know batter skull seems to be the artifact you want. Um, it can protect itself um, with its balance ability. It's a life 4-4, four, four, consistent body. Um, you can't cheat it in, you know, with stone forge, but that doesn't really matter. Like it's still good enough by itself. Um, any other thoughts?
1: I mean, like most living weapons, it just gets better as the game goes on. You know, if you have a body to attach it to, it's even better. You know? Yeah. Like, you can get in and deal your damage while it's doing it, You know, and then during... And it's... The Return Radical tutorial Fan is, you know, you can play it at instant speed. So you can do it during their instep to cast it you and give yourself another guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, when your turn rolls back around. And all that's, you know, on turn 6. You you know, if you curve out to it, you, can, you know, you can
0: play it, get in there on turn 5, bounce it, recast it on turn 6. Yeah, that's definitely good. And, um, you know, on our list, you know, the three of our five kind of cards we're mentioning are equipment. The other being Sword of War and Peace and Lashrithe. Sword of War and Peace, you know, obviously being playable... Always, Like, it, it's one of the swords, it gives protection, like, you're just gonna get free wins off of it, um, played if you have it. Like, okay. there's not really much else to say about it, I think. Um, and then last right, I, mean, I think, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna
1: say, I think every time I drafted sort of beef and salmon, uh, in the last, you know, format, I ran into two or three black green effect decks. Um, over, you know, in the course of you know, four or five rounds.
0: Yeah, and, and it just makes them like cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's you know if you get it, you know, which you only have one. But if you get it, they're not going to beat you because all their removal is in the colors that your guy has to take you from. And this this set has a lot of white, red, removal. The block has a lot of removal in those colors, and you know, just just kind of finishes finishes the piece, you know, the puzzle here.
0: Yeah. So the one thing to keep in mind, um, and the other cards we have, I'm just going to read them off real quick because we want to move on, uh, is Cage Sun, the Shrine of Burning Rage, great removal spell even if you're not in red, remember it, and Spell Skite, which seems kind of neat, nifty little trick. Um, the thing that I think to remember about the artifacts, um, especially when you're drafting, is there is a lot of artifact hate in Limited, and that's definitely something you have to keep in mind when you play them in Limited and when you play them in Draft, that... Basically, any artifact is just that much more fragile than a non-artifact. Yeah,
1: especially artifact creatures. Yes. Um, they're, 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 you know, they die to every removal spell. You know, Everything that will kill an artifact or kill a creature. So, be careful.
0: Yeah. And then the one thing people have been asking me, people have been asking me, do I, if I open Karn at my limited event, do I play him? And the answer is unequivocally yes. Um you certainly so play him uh you could actually build decks around him um he's definitely good enough um if for nothing else he 's double vindicate <laughs> um yeah. and at best he just wins you many, many games, so not really There's a big a way question
1: Jim is right there yeah <laughs> far. It's a stretch, but sure. Uh,
0: So then, quickly, we wanted to buzz through, you know, the Phyrexian cards that you need to look out for, you know, at the limited event. Um, And these are basically our favorite Phyrexian cards, meaning the Phyrexian mana symboled cards, so you can play them in any color, you know, paying life. Um, And I'm just going to go through them pretty quickly, and and they're pretty standard. But the Phyrexian Metamorph, just is is a great all-around card, it it basically copies their best guy, like, watch out for that. The Molten Steel Dragon, it's a 4-4 four, flyer four that you can play in any color which is good. Um, Dismember, which is a pretty sweet removal spell and again can be played in any color. A Tezzeret's Gambit is a draw card spell um, which anyone can play which is always good because normally it's just been associated with blue and so now anyone can draw cards. The Porcelain Legionnaire is just a beat down guy, uh, look out. And then of course uh, the card that I hope to be casting a lot of is Apostle's Blessing. I uh, just don't think you can forget about this card in your plans if they have one mana up. Like it's just it's just something you have to think about. Maybe you don't play around it every time, uh, but it's just something you definitely have to think about that that you can protect you know any of your guys for just one colorless mana and two life.
1: Yeah, I mean these cards. Make the format, I mean, you know, yet to be seen in standard, but make the limited format much harder. Yes. Because they can be tapped out, and there's still a list of cards that you have to worry about them playing.
0: Exactly. Um, and so
1: this is something I would definitely say, you know, learn these cards. Learn the ones that cost, you know, one Frexian and one color. Those are just one Phyrexian man of any color. Because you really are going to have to start playing around. Like you have, you have to play around. mutagenic growth in their blue deck now. Yeah. You know, like if if they're swinging in for, you know, you're at eight effect and they're swinging in with one, you still have to block even if you know you'd have to win on board going the other way because they might just kill you.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No, it's 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 tough stuff. There's, you know, just free free mana is hard and. um, you know, apostles blessing is, is is going to be a pet card of mine. I think you should definitely play it in limited. It just it just protects your stuff and and it gets them really good. And basically blanking, you know, go over the throat, blanking. You know, grasp of darkness. You know, any of those cards. It, it's just very good. Every one, basically for one mana. I mean, you you're gonna have it up at all times.
1: Yeah, I mean, paying two life and one mana to save your bomb is really good. Yeah.
0: So, uh, we're going to move away from the Limited and New Phyrexia for a little bit, Um, and uh, definitely we're going to cover it next week, because we're going to a a pre-release event, obviously, a sealed event, so we're going to talk about that a little bit next week as uh, we start preparing for that. Uh, But right now, what we're going to do is get into what's going to be weekly coverage for us, and that's standard deck analysis. And we're going to start with what we know best, give you guys the best content possible, and that's uh, a very popular deck today, obviously, Callblade. Um, and so, what we'd like to do is take you through what the shell of the deck is, uh, what the cards that are optional in the main deck are, what the sideboard optional cards are, and then just some of the mechanics that you have to be aware of when playing the deck, uh, and maybe also having it played against you. Um, so, to start out with, you know, we've kind of, and we will post this uh, in the show notes. Uh, the shell of the deck, so you can follow along if uh, you know when you're listening. But uh, the shell of the deck is basically four Jason the Mindsculpt. There's three Gideon Juras, four Squadron Hawks, four Stoneforge Mystics, three Mana Leaks, three Spell Pierce, two Day, two Tumble Magnet, four preordain, and at least one sort of Feast and Famine. Now you're probably saying that really doesn't leave me with many cards left, and so yeah, that's probably true. Like we've really refined the deck down. Um, it basically gives you four other spots. Um, you know, that are left. Because um, it does play 26 lands. Uh, so... Um, but the four cards that uh, we're going to kind of talk about as being the kind of optional cards to play around with and see what you like best. Um, the, and currently our build has that shell, and then a one Condemn, one Deprive, uh, an eventual Sword of War and Peace, and an eventual Batter Skull. Um, so the other optional cards are definitely um, oust. Is a card that's seen a lot of play into the royal. Um, more condemns um, is definitely just a solid way to go. Um, perhaps no day of judgments is another way uh, people have played. So um, let's just kind of go maybe you know card by card uh, on you know, maybe some of the optional cards and like what their strengths and weaknesses are. So while well, you want to start with condemn.
1: Yeah, condemn obviously is, is great against you know at least at least now in the, in the current meta game a sordid creature because they have to deal combat damage to get their trigger. Um, it's it's good, it's efficient. You know, one mana get rid of their guy that's beating you. You know, in the case of something with a sword, make the equipment fall off. Um, you know, and, and ship it back to their to the bottom of the deck. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a forever removal spell, there's tons of shuffling, uh, and ways to, you know, get your stuff back. But, but it's good. The, the downside to that is, you know, I mean, you're leaving man open, which, you know, if you're not, if you don't have counter spells, you still may not be able to tap out just for your condemn. Uh, and, you know, it, it does gain them life, which, isn't uh it's not it's a big deal sometimes, so you just gotta watch
0: out for giving up too much life. Yeah, I mean the life gain is, is generally negligible. I, I think the part of the card that I dislike the most is it's you know it's how narrow it is. Um and that the creature has to be attacking obviously. So you know, for example, you know they play Lotus Cobra and you have know, a hand with condemning it you know, you, yes, you're going to eventually be able to condemn, like, their titan that they're going to cast. But at the same time, like, they're going to still get value out of that titan, because trigger is going to happen twice. Um, that's kind of the part of the card I don't like. I, I think the tech is in there for the Cobblade-Mirror match. I, I think that's where it's at its best. That's where Spell Pierce is also at its best. Um... When you're going one-on-one, it's just kind of a big way to turn the tables on your opponent for only one mana. You
1: know. Alright, next up is Deprived. Yes. So, I mean, Trevor, it's the hard counter in the deck, so what's, <laughs> why, why is that necessary?
0: So, this is currently my build, and I play one Deprive. And basically, in my testing, when I sat down against Valica Game 1, which is already, of course, in your favor, having the Deprive in there just kind of tips it all the way. Um, it's also, in my opinion, been very surprising to many players. Uh, they don't expect the hard counter. They don't see it coming. Um, you know, they, cast mana, they cast something with 3 mana open. Uh, You're know, expecting to be able to pay for the mana leak and then you deprive it and you kind of can get them good. Um, it's a bit of a spoiler card, um, I guess it's a little techy, um, and people are surprised by it. But it's also just the seventh counter spell in the deck, um, which I don't I think the more counters you have, the better. And once you kind of get your situation up and running, you know, protecting your cards is the number one thing you want to do. And when you're untapping on like your land of Stoneforge Mystic, you know, having the deprive in hand is has proved to be very good. Clearly the drawbacks are, um, is that you don't really want to deprive anything on turn two, turn three, turn four, or turn five. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just I guess the cost you have to pay right now in the current environment for a hard counter.
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much so that my thoughts on why the pride is good.
0: Yeah, so the next one is, um, and the card that we're hoping to add to the deck, is the Sword of War and Peace. And again, I think this card functions a lot like Condemn, in that it's just a mirror match house. <laughs> yeah,
1: I actually think it's also going to be pretty
0: good against the deck when we to talking about next. Yes. As well. I agree. So we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about the next deck. We'll remember to bring that up. Um, which is Vencer Control for anyone listening in. Um, so then the uh, the last card is um, that we're thinking about adding, and it's kind of flexible. Um, is Batterskull, and Batterskull just seems pretty broken with Stoneforge in play. Um, it's just a one-two, you know, basically lock them out combo on turn three. Um, <laughs> so any any other thoughts?
1: Yeah, there's there's not
0: very much four four vigilant lifelike creatures that you can play on turn three. Yeah. So. And and not only like on turn three, but like turn three at instant speed.
1: <laughs> yeah, so you can use it as a combat trick. Yeah.
0: I mean, obviously they you know, they might know you have it, but for example, you know having it in your hand, your starting hand, and then fetching like a sort of feast and famine. And they bash into you. You know, you drop this guy, and all of a sudden, you know, that's like a six-point life swing. Like if they swing their Goblin Guide in you, and you, you know, flash this in, you know, that's that's a big game, <laughs> as as our friend LSV would say. Yeah, it's a huge game. So um, you know, a, a couple of the cards that you know are, are worth mentioning in the main deck are are also the Ink Moth Nexus is really taken off. And it 's just a great utility card uh, with the number of fixtures you 're playing you know twelve dual lands in a two colored deck um, thebo Nexus's aren 't hard like they 've never messed up my mana ever um, in fact i, I don 't think i 've ever had mana problems with this deck it 's just you yeah. know pretty easy to cast everything and, and it just gives you yeah, it just gives you great utility against you know against the mirror match again you can you know block a sorted guy if you ever need to um You can also start beating them with poison and a sword if you want, like I've lost a few games to that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, so it's just a solid card. Um, A couple of the cards to keep on the watch for are Tumble Magnets. Like, as I play with them, I just want more of them. Um, They don't really fit in the list right now, but they seem very good, and they're one of the biggest reasons why I will be packing main deck artifact removal very soon. The catch all card is still Day of Judgment. I think two of them is the right number. Uh, You usually get one when you need it, (laughs) with the amount of digging the deck has. And there's still enough aggro out there, at least in our meta, Vampires and Boros, that uh, this deck, that Day of Judgment is definitely necessary and and gets the job done. So I don't think there's too many uh, other cards out there. I mean, Into the Royals has been played a little bit. We definitely played it in ours. It just did not seem as good as some of the other options available. Um, I
1: found myself bouncing my own tumble magnet after I I ran out of counters. (laughs) It was was a play that, you know, at the end of their turn, you know, you tap down their guy, they pass the turn. You tap your four mana and get your guy back, get your tumble magnet back in your hand and draw a card. You know, it's a good way to recharge your magnet. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you know,
0: stalling them out a little bit or passing their token. There, there was just so many times where I drew into the royal, and I thought to myself, okay, you know, I was never like awesome. You know, when I draw Jace, I'm like, sweet, now I have a better chance of winning this game. But into the royal, that was never the case.
1: Yeah, with into the royal, was like sweet. Now I have a better chance to draw Jace. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. They're so they're
0: just better options. so now we're going to the sideboard cobblade. Um yeah. I think the four flash freeze is completely mandatory. Um, it just just hoses Balakut like totally and completely, like makes it not even a matchup anymore. Um, and that's like the one part I probably wouldn't change. The sort of body and mind for that same reason that getting a sort of Body Mind hit on hit is, is basically also makes that deck pretty dead. Um, and in the mirror match, giving your guys Jace protection is a pretty good deal as well. So, the tech card that I think we've been using, and obviously people use used it before us, but is the Volition Reigns. And that card just seems to be a house um, when you board it in, because people just simply don't expect it and don't have enchantment removal.
1: Yeah, I was playing a Teteret uh like control sort of poison deck not long ago and we got to the point where, you know, I had my Gideon out and I just you know, I plus him, he didn't attack, and I'd kill his guy, and then I'd plus him and he'd attack. And I guess the there There wasn't much going on, so he had his sword uh like his sword of beast and famine left out from like a previous combat. And, you know, I I hadn't drawn mine, I hadn't drawn a stone mystic yet in the game uh, so I snagged it and proceeded to beat face a
0: little bit yeah exactly I mean if that's like that I mean that's like probably one of the worst things you'll do I mean you remember when I played you and I took the Benser and ultimated him and right. you know, just like the it, people don't see it coming and it's just a really good card in any control matchup so the other card that we've been playing a lot lately which has been very effective has been celestial Purge. Um, with Koth uh, continuing to be popular. Um, he's a great answer. Um, Inferno Titan, obviously against vampires, like he's just an excellent removal spell because it exiles um, so you don't even get any highborn triggers off of it. You can deal with their blood gas, you can deal with their highborns. Um, you can deal with Pyromancer Ascension if that's running around your game. Uh, I can't say enough good things about the card. I, I Kills too. Kills Tezzeret, yes. Completely forgot about that, um, which was, been, you know, very... Yeah, I've definitely used it <laughs> in that exact fashion.
1: I, I think that's what, when we were talking about it, what sold me on it was the fact that I can remove the Tezzeret from the game for two minutes. Yeah. Like, in response to his ability, I say. Yeah, so people... Like, you know, the ability still happens, but he's gone.
0: So people, you know, people. this deck's been around for a little while. Obviously, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen it played. Maybe you're playing it yourself. Like, the mechanics are pretty straightforward. But I think it mostly goes back to basically answering the Mike Flores question of who is the beatdown. And that's what this deck, as the pilot, that's what you have to do. You have to decide, you know, in the first two or three turns, who is the beatdown and then play accordingly.
1: I I have to agree with you that there's a lot of times that, uh, well, I guess one of the, the parts that makes the deck more skill intensive is knowing when you are and knowing when you're not. Exactly. You know, being, being able to tell by turn three if you should be attacking or leaving that cataract. It.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the the skilled players in the format are winning with this deck consistently because they're able to answer that question, question, you know, earlier in the game than the less skilled players. If you don't know by turn three if you're the beatdown or not, your decision tree, you know, is is so radically different than knowing that on turn three, um, you know who the beatdown is. Uh, that you may have already played yourself out of the game. Now, obviously, the deck's powerful enough that it accommodates bad decisions, but at the same time, like I, I really do think that's the primary question you need to answer.
1: Yeah, the the power of the deck to fix your mistakes is the reason I'm able to win with it.
0: <laughs> exactly. The other thing that is that I'm seeing just more and more and more and people say it, and they're totally true, that pre-ordaining on turn one is just bad. Like, I'm guilty of doing it, uh, even when I have a good hand, but unless you are digging for a specific card, it's just not a good strategy ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you
1: just a a land wide hand, or, you know, if you already know, like well, if, it's, if it's game two and you know what they're playing, and you can dig for an answer or know that you have cards you'd that they might be dead in the match-out. Yeah. But you just you couldn't get them out. There wasn't enough stuff to bring in to get all the dead cards out. So you can dig and try and ship your dead cards too. Yeah. Um, it's much better turn one of game two than it is turn one of game one.
0: Yes, I agree. It definitely changes a little bit, um, you know, when you know what your opponent's playing. Um, but it's just, it's always better later when you have a much more clear idea of what you know you need. Um, you know, for example, we were testing earlier and you were playing R.U.G., you know, and so I, like, instantly thought, well, I'll go dig for a contagion clasp, when the reality is you didn't play Lotus Cobra, you didn't have a Lotus Cobra draw, and so you were just exploring. And, you know, I shipped a mana leak, which I could have been, you know, using much better than the contagion clasp that I was trying to dig for.
1: Yeah.
0: So even in situations where you know, you, you think you know what you need, um, yeah, that that's just not always true, and so, you know, waiting to use it, you know, when you actually are digging for a specific card, it, to me, has proven to be much more effective. I agree. So yeah, that's about it on you know Cobblade. I think people have seen it played. They know how the mechanics work out. I think we just want to emphasize you have to answer the question who is the beatdown, and you have to understand the meta, and you you, know, you have to sideboard you know very well, um, you know to pilot this deck, um, But yeah, it's a flexible deck. It's a fun deck. Like the first time you cheat in your sword and bash your Mystic and untap your lands and play Jace, like it feels pretty good.
1: <laughs> that's a good feeling.
0: So, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you have a chance to give it a whirl and, uh, you yeah, know, let us know what you think.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, probably, at least in the upcoming week, if not next week, we'll talk about uh, one or two of the other iterations of the deck. The the dark Darkwing Duck version, the, the black, black, white, blue version, and then the, the red, white, blue version, uh, which which Trevor dubbed. Angry Birds and uh, has since you know picked up a little little notoriety in the naming the naming world. There, um, I'm I'm a big fan of the the red version. I know Trevor's played the Darkling Duck version
0: a little bit, the black version. Yeah, the black um, version was so fun with the tar pit. But if I point somewhere today, I'd probably play the red version too. I mean, I play the blue white version first, but then you know if I was gonna get fancy, I'd play the red version. Yeah.
1: So I mean that's, that's something to look forward to in an upcoming cast. And why I'm thinking about it because I'll probably forget if there's a deck you'd like us to go over. You know, we'll, uh, well our email and our Twitters will be in the show notes. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more at the end. Send it to us. Um, you know, send us the list that you're curious about. We'll you know we'll we'll take some time and, and test it and you know kind of give you a little insight on what we think.
0: Yeah, exactly. We'd love to you know, see your deck list, your decks, talk about a specific deck, totally. So, but uh, if you're a
1: local person, would like to know what you're playing. So go ahead and send us your deck list. <laughs> the uh,
0: the next deck we want to talk about, and this is a deck that we've been playing with for ugh, probably two months now, um, kind of refining, looking at. Um, you know, getting ideas, then we had a plate against us at f and realized, you know, how powerful it was, is Venser control. So, basically, it takes kind of a blue, the old blue-white shell, and adds Venser to it, and people discovered that this very quickly started dominating Callblade. <laughs> and, so, without further ado, we'll take you through the shell, the list shell, and these are kind of the mandatory cards, and uh, you know, then we'll talk about some of the specific cards and kind of what the deck does, and why we think it's a really solid choice right now. So yep. the deck starts out with a pretty big Planeswalker suite, that has three Gideon Juras, three Vensers, and four Jace the Mind Sculptors. The core of the deck is three, possibly four, Wall of Omens, and probably at least one Treasure Mage. The deck then also plays at least two Contagion class, four Preordains, three Tumble Magnets, one Spine of Y'sha, and actually the same exact mana list as the other deck that we just talked about, um, Cobblade. So four Colonnade, four Tech Edge, four Glacial Fortress, four Coast, four Islands, four Plains, 2 wing Moth Nexus. So, the deck is predicated obviously around... Putting somebody in a soft lock with your planeswalkers, Jay Scudion, you know, that kind of thing. And then, you know, eventually hoping to play out a Venser and just getting insane advantage off of him, whether you're resetting a tunnel magnet, drawing cards off wall of omens, um, just giving a guy vigilance, um yeah, keeping your mana your up. What's that?
1: Blinking your quest oh,
0: is really of good. Of course, my F and minus my FMI one, counters for everybody. Uh, you know, and then of course, like, the god situation where you're able to start blinking your spine of Y'sha. Um, So, anyway, uh, the deck has seen a good amount of success. And so we started playing it, and our particular version, its current stage, also looks like this. The pet cards that we've adopted are one worm coil engine. Uh, one oust, two day of judgment, three mana league, three spell pierce. So again, we have went with the counter version. Um, it just makes your, you know, your mirror match or your cobblade blade matchup that much better. Um, and then also it gives you a fighting chance against Valakit, which without the counters we were losing two pretty badly. Mm-hmm. So I think, while well, you've had the most experience playing against the deck. What are some of your thoughts playing against it?
1: Uh, you know, it's it's one of those decks that it just stabilizes really well around turn five, turn five, turn six. You know, they've got a couple of planeswalkers out against you, and they're just ready to start to start hitting you. You know, with you know whether shrinking your guys or just getting ridiculous card advantage. You to on to extra cards to get to that worm coil engine, to get to that spine. Um, that being said, um, a, a problem for this deck, you just kind of like jump in for that, you so the, uh, the way I've had some success against it is running multiple Loomark Archonsensions in the sideboard. Uh, this is normally, you know, I've, I've lost to this deck and beat it both uh, with my cobblade deck, and I've had a lot more success winning with Loomark attention in the sideboard. Then I didn't have it. So it it does have a, have an issue dealing with early game damage, uh, especially game one. It has a big issue with with like a, a powerful red deck, you know, like a, a mid range
0: red deck. Yeah. So before the cast, we were you know uh, we obviously do a lot of play testing, and we were play testing this deck against rug. And I realized in one of my sideboarding strategies that I had boarded out basically every way of winning with the exception of Colonnade and Chase. (laughs) And I was thinking to myself, this can't be right. And I said, you know what? That's just what this deck does. It kind of feels like it doesn't do anything for like three or four turns. And then all of a sudden your opponent realizes that they are in a lock and that... Gideon is forcing him to attack him every turn, and Jace is leveling up, and Venter is giving them cards galore, and you're getting all your stuff countered, and the game is just pretty unwinnable. The funny thing is, yeah. it usually would take, like, 15 more turns before this deck finally wins, but it just never feels like they can win.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this is a deck that you may not make a lot of friends playing,
0: <laughs> but you uh, will win a lot of games
1: <laughs> You'll you, you probably win a lot of games But I mean I've taken this deck to time Without it um, You know one game one, lost game two And we got to the point in game three Where I knew I couldn't win um, But I also knew that we were at like the 48 minute mark Of the round you know And it was round one, and I'm not ready to take my loss in round one. And just, you have to be careful going going to time, because if you get stuck on turns, it's going to be really hard for this deck to win in three turns, which, you know, is about the max you're going to get.
0: Yeah, I think you certainly have to... It's definitely a deck you need to play test, because you need to be able to play it quickly. Um, It has a somewhat complicated decision tree, Um, and, you know, sideboarding isn't always easy. So, uh, the cards also that are in the sideboard, um, that I think are most interesting, that uh, you probably haven't seen a lot of play, are the Lone Missionaries. Um, obviously House against Aggro. Uh, it trades with their Goblin Guide and gives you 4-life. Um, or you can just start blinging it with Venser, and just carries you out of the Abyss almost faster than Venser Angel does. <laughs> um, and again, you know, a lot of life,
1: I mean, that's the
0: first time
1: you do it, you're getting eight minutes four every other turn. and one of the guys. Yeah, place.
0: exactly. So, just a great card, um, especially in this strategy. Um, the other Cyborg card is actually you bring in your own Luminarc Ascension. Um, because you're able to stabilize so well, uh, Luminarch Ascension just carries you to victory a lot of times, so um, it's definitely a sideboard card um, that you want to include. Um, and then the four Flash Freeze, again, like it just makes your Valicate matchup really good, uh, which I think this deck has a decent Valicate matchup actually after adding the counter spells and the Flash Freezes. Um, because Flash Freeze just generally puts Valicate dead in the water. So, um, anyway, the way the deck kind of plays out, just to give you guys an idea if it's something that you're willing that you want to pick up, is you kind of, yeah, you, know, you play your early drops, which are basically Wall of Omens um, and your Tumble Magnets, and maybe your Treasure Mage if you're lucky, and you, you know you can use that to, you know, fetch whatever you need. Usually the Spine, but sometimes the Worm Coil Engine. You know, if you're facing kind of a super aggro deck. Um, and, um, yeah, so then you play those, and then you kind of sit with counter magic until you get in a position where you're able to set a, you know, a Planeswalker kind of gridlock on them, um, which is actually not too difficult. Um, generally, because of your Wall of Omens and your Tumble Magnets, you can play Jace on turn four, like, pretty safely um, because you can tap down their guy, um, you know, and block the other one. And then the turn after that, you're, of course, dropping Gideon Jura. And you'll have one more counter left on your Magnet. And, you know, your Gideon, you know, is obviously going up to eight counters. So, you know, either that or if you're not getting Gideon Jura, then you're going to be, you know, using Benser And you resetting your Wall of Omens, which draws you another card. So there's just a lot of Planeswalker interaction. And the soft Lock is actually not as hard as you'd think. And then, of course, you also have the Day of Judgment that can just sweep away the board, leaving you with, you know, two or three Planeswalkers, which is a quick way to victory. Yeah,
1: and I know it's something that, that we ran into today when we were playtesting, is you blink your wall of them, cast Day of Judgment, have to turn your wall of them and come back unscathed, draw your card.
0: Exactly. I mean, that's just... Basically, it's, it's, it's almost it's like your only creature other than Wormfoil Engine is Wall of Omens, really, and tre- like one Treasure Mage. And so, you know, basically it turns your day, like, Venture turns your Day of Judgment into a one-sided wrath. <laughs> um, you yeah, know, your opponents lose all their creatures, and you keep yours, and you still draw a card. Um, so, it, I'm a big fan of the deck. Um, if you're looking for something to go out and beat Call Blade... Uh this is the duck to do it. It puts them in quite the tough spot. Um if you're really looking to beat blade you might wanna see if you can fit in some squadron hawks in there. Um it seems like that would be necessary. Um but otherwise the you know the list we're gonna throw up is, is pretty competitive. Do you have anything else yep. to add? <laughs>
1: um, you know if. If you're playing this deck, uh, I won't be as happy to see you <laughs> as I would be otherwise. Um, I mean, I, I think, I mean, we, uh, a friend of the show, Chris Osinski, who is a local player here in the, the southeast Wisconsin area, you know, he plays in Chicago a lot of, them, in Madison. Um, he's, he's taken the deck, uh, kinda, kinda to a level that, that I hadn't. It, like when we were first trying to figure it out. Um, and I will say that he has fit in like two Fat Plants uh, in place of the Ink Moth Nexus, I think, because he just doesn't value that high as high as we do. But then again, I've beat him over the head with one Splatter Talks in one game. So that's why I think we play the Nexus.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I think the Nexus is, it just provides you another win condition, too. Like, I mean, Seriously, this deck's win condition is so slow. Um, the getting in there once with the nexus and then just contagion class thing out, them out is actually a realistic, yeah, you know, strategy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's
1: definitely been the
0: real possibility. So uh, let's move on, and uh, we hope you enjoyed, you know, our deck previews. Uh, any feedback you want to give uh, would be great. But uh, you know, that's Cobblade and Venture Control, and hopefully, uh, you know, you pick one of them up and try it out. But uh, we got some feedback from our last podcast, uh, some questions from listeners. And so we're just going to go through those pretty quickly uh, before we wrap up. But uh, the first question is, what are some tools that Wizards has given us to deal with planeswalkers and new Phyrexia? Do you want to take that one to start out with? Yeah, uh, I'll just, the the obvious
1: answer, uh, the answer I'm going to always give first, because I love this beast with it. Um, and that's, that's, of course, not limited to just being planeswalkers. It's actually, actually quite good at dealing with all privilege, but it's, it's definitely an answer. It may not be the answer to planeswalkers, you know, because mm-hmm. obviously you're giving them a dude. Yep. But, but it is definitely an answer.
0: Yep. Definitely. So, okay. uh, the next answer that I think jumps out to me is despise. Uh, so that is the Tiger opponent reveals a Scissor Hand. You choose a creature or planeswalker card from it, and they discard it. Um, that yes. also seems like a very good answer. And again, yeah, you, I mean
1: it, it's directly targeted at planeswalkers.
0: Yeah. So, um, go ahead. I'm sure. Uh, you, I'm not, you
1: know, and surgical extraction. On, on that same note of you know, if you were able to to get one of their guys in the graveyard, you know, there's Chase in the graveyard. Maybe, maybe you despised it and then played Surgical Extraction. You know, in the same turn. I don't know. It could happen. Um, it's just it's a way, and that that is, yeah, Surgical is a way to deal with all of their threats. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like they designed it and they had to say, okay, and then with the spies, it's got a lot better for
0: every creature in every Planeswalker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I despise, I think, is probably the best option. Um, and then, of course, uh, one more is the Hex Parasite, um, which of course removes counters, um, from any permanent, and then it, uh, boosts its attack with those counters. So, um, it, it's a costly answer in a pretty fragile body. Um, but it certainly does the job, and if nothing else, um, you know, they played Jace, you played this, and, you know, they're kind of forced to Jace bounce it if, you know, if, you know, they don't want their Jace to die <laughs> the next turn or maybe even that turn. Yeah. So. Um,
1: yeah, because the ability is instant speed, if you have the mana up, you know, it doesn't have to be your turn to remove counters.
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Uh, I think I wrote in my set review that, that this card might be better as a mind game than it actually is. Um, you know, forcing them to think, okay, if they play this on turn four, if, if you're on the, if you're on the play if you play your Jace, and you're thinking, well if they're gonna play their hex parasite, you know, are they gonna kill my Jace this turn? You know, and the answer is they could, unless you know, I plus them, and Fate Seal, right off the bat, you're not going to get as much value out of Jay. So even making them think that they're required to Fate Seal when Jay's first hit, just so it can live through a Hex Parasite on the Falling Sun, gets you a little value out of it. So I, mean, I think I wrote, you know, it's like when you're, when you're sideboarding, drop it on the table, you know, show them that you have it, and then put it back in your sideboard and tuck it away, because it may not be as good. <laughs> I think it is But just making them think You can put one in You know The, board or the Might be worth
0: that, it. that is a Jedi mind trick My friend Yeah
1: it's, I'm getting there I'm, of,
0: of the I'm highest trying, caliber Yeah
1: I'm getting You know I'm, I'm trying to play next level But it mostly ends up Just trying to screw with people So,
0: <laughs> so um, You know Then the last one uh, Which may be obvious Maybe not Is actually Karn I mean Karn can vindicate a Planeswalker, so <laughs> uh, that's, that's certainly a way to deal with it, Probably, perhaps an expensive way, but it's definitely a, a way. I
1: so say, if you're paying 7 mana to not die to a Jace, I'd, I mean to live, right? Like, if, if you're going to die otherwise, <laughs> it seems like a good answer.
0: Yeah. Um, so, the other question... That uh, some of our listeners asked were, what are some anti-infect cards that they printed in New Phyrexia? To be perfectly honest, I can think of only one off the top of my head, so I'll do that one and maybe while I can look up more. But the most obvious one (laughs) is Malyra, the basically infect immune card. And uh, for those of you who don't know Malyra, she is one colorless and one green mana. Legendary creature, human, scout. You can't get poison counters. Creatures you control can't have minus one, minus one counters placed on them. And creatures your opponents control lose Infect, and she's a 2-2 creature. So, Clue, the third ability, kind of, like, somewhat mitigates her power. Um, if, you know, if it was only the first two abilities, like, it would just neuter Infect completely. Like, they would, like, (laughs) you know, they could not do anything until they removed Malara. Um, but you know, the third ability basically makes her a little more balanced, and so I mean that's obviously the the first card that jumps out as a as something that helps handle infect.
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, there's a there's a rare norns annex that if you're as if you're not playing infect, you know you can play it on if, if you're playing against infect, you can play it on turn three, pay for life, and you don't really care because so they're not going to hit you with damage. Yeah. And it makes them, you know, if they're not in white, it makes them pay two white for every group they attack you with, and so it essentially levels, you know, if they're swinging with their one one, you know, they they hit you for one poison or you know essentially two damage, but they have to pay two damage. It levels the playing field a little, you know, it actually puts you a little bit ahead because then you get to attack into you know attack them.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: So I think I think that that's a card, and it's it's playable in any color. Um, it also protects your Planeswalkers, which in limited isn't a big deal, But I don't, and I don't see it necessarily being standard play, but the, the, it's just a fun way to protect your Planeswalkers, too. Uh, I mean, Cathedral Membrane is a wall that you played on turn one. Yep. So, I mean, that by itself is a way to deal with things. That
0: Sure, and especially the same thing, like, you don't care about the life that you're losing off it because, you know, they're in fact... Um, let's see, I had one. Oh, I guess, um, I mean, in, in an off kind of way, like Blade Slicer. Um, is, is Blade Splicer is actually a card. I mean, anything that gives something first strike um, helps fight, in fact. I mean, obviously, first strike's, um, you know, a big game against, in fact, um, because you can kind of eliminate their creatures without them shrinking yours. So. Yeah,
1: and the, uh, the red... I gotta remember his name. The Red X R, um, the Tormentor X R. Yeah. There's not many infect creatures that are gonna
0: live through that. Yeah, yeah. They do have a kind of a, a little bit of a big, you know. They have to have a big butt to live through that. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, I mean, I think that's that's definitely a few. I mean, that are kind of like direct answers. I mean, obviously there's some more good removal and stuff like that in the set, but. Yeah, those are some of the direct answers I think they printed. Yeah. So, um, that was all the user questions we got, at least that we wanted to cover. Um, We'll talk a little bit more next week about uh, some cards people asked us to cover again. They weren't really limited cards, so we wanted to stick to limited only, so we'll cover that next week for anyone listening and disappointed we didn't answer those questions about specific cards. But, uh, yeah, we'll just give a quick our uh, shout shoutouts so we want you guys to have our Twitter handles and ways to get a hold of us so if you want to hear more have questions about the cast want to hop in and you know, whatever we're open uh, my Twitter handle is at Trevor Isham T-R-E-V-O-R-I-S-H-A-M and Wally's is at W-D-B the number 4 T-H again at W-D-B number 4 T-H and then you can email us at uh, trevor.manaSculpting.there uh, at gmail.com or wally.manaSculpting at gmail.com. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed the cast. Again, uh, love to hear the comments, love to hear the feedback, and uh, we'll be coming at you next week uh, with two more decks to analyze and uh, some specific cards and limited to watch out for as we head into our pre-release.
1: Yeah, and one more big shout out, uh, Lake the Games and Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Jason is ridiculous, ridiculously helpful and, you know, lots of support, you know, uh, asks a bunch of questions. He's, you know, it's, it's a great store, you know, no comments, sorry, uh, you know, tons of magic, tons of games. It's all about playing games and having fun over there. So check it out if you're in the area. Uh, look them up. Get them up on
0: Facebook. Yeah, always. Lake Schneeba Games is our home store. Uh, that's where we we'll be for the pre-release. And uh, we hope we uh, see you there. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Trevor Isham and Wally Bullard for uh, sculpting And uh, hopefully we'll see you again next week.
1: All right. Bye, guys.